All right, welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Pastor Eli James here, along with Michael from Sweden. And um, I'm having difficulty getting into the chat room. I hope uh, Michael is able to get into the chat room. And um, I'm having to uh, minimize. I think I got a weak signal this morning. So I don't want to overload the system by having too many windows open. And uh, we'll take it from there. So t today, I think it's part five of this uh, reading of The International Jew, where the, the book, The International Jew, takes the protocols and deals extensively with the protocols. I never had any idea that the protocols do deal so extensively with uh, the, the, the protocols. And so, uh, I'll just open the page here because, uh, last week we ended on page 97 and I can't put the link in the chat room because I can't get into the chat room. So maybe Michael can. In any case, on page 96, I just want to introduce the subject of capitalism versus free enterprise because there is a major difference between the two. And on page 96, it says, To divert Gentile thought and observation, interest must be deflected to industry and commerce. And I wonder if they mean a double entendre here, interest. <laughs> we have to charge interest on everything, right? But speculation, it must be based on speculation. And Henry Ford says here, it is amazing to look around and see the number of men who have been actually browbeaten into committing their whole lives to these secondary or even tertiary things, while they look with great timidity and aversion at the vital things which really rule the world and upon the issue of which the world really depends. So, if we go back into history, commerce, especially small-scale commerce, before the Industrial Revolution and even during the Industrial Revolution, the the focus was on craftsmanship, hanging out a shingle, starting your own business, doing a good job at your business, and then the customers come. All right, that's simply the way it worked. That's called free enterprise, folks. When you don't focus on the money per se, you focus on skill, uh, labor, and attracting customers because you produce a good product. Now, that has totally changed with the Jewish economic system, which is based, of course, on usury. All right? So, there's a difference between capitalism and free enterprise. What I just described is free enterprise with no usury. Capitalism is when money, it, it depends on who puts the money into circulation. So we have two kinds of capitals. We have the American system in which the government issues the capital, that is the money, puts the money into circulation. And here in America, a dollar is defined as 371.25 grains of silver, if I remember the number correctly. And that's a dollar. It's not that piece of paper that has the Federal Reserve mentioned on it. The Federal Reserve is a totally illegal entity, and they charge interest for every dollar issued. And so this is what the issue was between Abraham Lincoln and the banksters who wanted to charge Lincoln 28% interest and higher to uh, finance the war in the North. Okay, so he said, I can't afford that. I'll just print the greenback. <laughs> Non-interest-bearing notes. 
non-interest-bearing notes. So free enterprise is based on the idea that the government issues the currency without any interest being charged to the user. Okay? That's a, the same thing we ha- applies when you have gold and silver as the monetary unit of a society. You don't charge, uh, as far as I'm cons- uh, aware, I don't think there's any government that has been able to charge interest for the issuance of gold and silver. For, for the, uh, in the first place, gold and silver was just, just mined and uh, t- turned into coins and spent into circulation by anybody who minted the coins, right? So if uh, if you own a gold mine, you can mint your own coins, spend it into circulation, and that becomes the coin of the realm. Now, of course, um, I, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Sorry for jumping in. Could you see that when they placed uh, the coinage of gold, the content, when they changed it to copper, could also be uh-huh. when they shaved off the corners, that could also be seen some kind of, uh, I don't know, yeah, they steal, they stole. So, right. but interest, no, but I guess the, the equivalent maybe of interest could be when they, when the Jewish um, moneylenders shaved off uh, the edges of the, of the, of the coins. Right, yeah, that, yeah, that's called clipping, and clipping is a form of inflation. So let's say you clip 10 coins and uh, m- melt the clippings down and make another coin out of it. So that's inflation. Now, now suddenly you have 11 coins where there used to be only 10, right? <laughs> it's tricks of the trade forever. And, of course, Meyer Amschel Rothschild said, Give me the power to issue a nation's currency, and I care not who makes its laws. So... The international Jew exposes how the Jews have created this system by which we get robbed by their issuance of the currency, charging us interest, and not, not only that, but inflating the currency constantly. So they print the money, spend it into circulation for their own purposes, such as war and buying up corporations, etc., etc., and turning us into paupers in the meantime. And the American people have no idea that this is how it works. This is not free enterprise. This is finance capitalism. Finance capitalism where money is issued by banksters, not by the government. The founding fathers of this country all insisted, with the possible uh, exception of, uh, who was it, Hamilton, that the government should issue the currency and not banks. Alexander Hamilton was an agent of the banksters, and he's the one who promoted the first bank of the United States, which would then take over the issuance of currency in America. So let me just read this again. It is amazing to look around and see the number of men who have been actually browbeaten into committing their whole lives to these secondary or even tertiary things, by which Henry Ford means... You know, making money, uh, investing your money in the stock market and that sort of thing, when free enterprise never had that until the Jews started creating stock markets, right? While they look with great timidity and aversion at the vital things which really rule the world and upon the issue of which the world really depends. What is that? It is productivity, Productivity, primarily through small business, although it could be a large-scale investment. Now, initially, corporations and America, Thomas Je- not Thomas Jefferson, Benjamin Franklin, had issued a lot of corporate bonds to to build, like bridges, to build roads, 
maybe to build buildings and that sort of thing. So anybody who invested in the construction of, let's say, a bridge, uh, you know, donated money to the corporation. The corporation built the thing. And then once the corporation uh, made a profit off the, you know, let's say, charging a fee to cross the bridge, then the corporation was dissolved. Its job was done. And there was no such thing as one corporation owning another corporation. Now we live in a totally corporate reality. And, of course, the international banks own all these corporations like BlackRock, State Street, etc., etc. So we have become totally money-oriented as opposed to productivity-oriented. Is that fair to say, Michael? Yeah. Okay. So... And uh, Henry Ford continues, but it is just this deflection to the materialistic base. It is. Now it's totally materialism, not productivity and progress, that offers the protocolists and similarly Jewish propagandists their best hold. Quote, unquote, broad-mindedness today consists in leaving vital matters severely alone such as actual productivity. Small business has suffered tremendously in this environment. It descends quickly to material-mindedness. Within this lower sphere, all the discord which distresses the world today is to be found. Absolutely, it's an economic sleight of hand produced by the Jew banksters. First, yeah, they, go ahead. Yeah. Uh, sorry. And they make our people atheistic materialists. So they, and then, um, of course, secularists. So they don't think there is a, uh, what do you say, they are not concerned with the, that the stuff they do now can have consequences. So they are, they only care about this time now and they don't care about making the world a better place. So that's right. Yeah. Yeah. And this kind of, yeah, and this kind of, how should I say, good heartedness. On the base, uh, uh, for people like the blacksmith, the baker, butcher, baker, candlestick maker, etc., they were just serving the the needs of the community by producing these goods. Right? Very, very few of these ever became corporate masters, and they certainly didn't become money lenders. So, throughout the history of the world, especially in the West, we see that the, it was the Jewish money lender who has always distorted the productivity of the white race, especially the Europeans, okay? So, so, yeah, this phony broad-mindedness. And then he continues, first there is the ruin of the upper circles of industry and commerce, and he quotes the protocols here, quote, to make it possible for liberty definitely to disintegrate and ruin Goy society, industry must be placed on a speculative basis okay folks that's the stock market speculative basis and they even did that to farming the chicago mercantile exchange speculates on the productivity of the farmer right they speculate on the productivity of the farmer just as the new york stock exchange speculates on the on the business of corporations okay and uh, they can include, conclude, I should say, no one needs to be told what this means. It means, as everything about us shouts, the prostitution of service to profits and the eventual disappearance of the profits into the hands of the Jews. It means that the high art of management just degenerates into exploitation. 
It means reckless confusion among the managers and dangerous unrest among the workmen, and that has obtained since the Civil War. Since the elimination of the greenback, which was a non-interest-bearing note, um, a now, question you have for the, yes. the greenback. Yeah. Uh, how didn't it take some time for the for the Jewish bankers to get out those money out of circulation? Yes. Well, what they did, they they started uh, the the greenback was issued to cover all expenses. But the bankers realized that the greenback would put them out of business. So they passed a law that I think it was uh, over Lincoln's uh, uh, override, but he couldn't override it. The, the Congress passed it anyway, that uh, it would not be acceptable uh, for imports, which the bankers controlled. Okay, So what the bankers did was, if somebody wanted to pay their dues to the bankers for their import duties, they would discount the greenback. In other words, let's say, if you owed them $100 in import duties, you had to pay them $200 in greenbacks to to pay off your duty to them. Okay, so in this way, they collected more and more greenbacks and never spent them back into circulation. So this is how they got rid of the greenbacks. Okay? Uh-huh. Okay. okay. Very sly. Very sly of the international bankers to do that because they couldn't, you know, there were too many in circulation. Had they stayed in circulation... Uh, we would never be paying a dime's worth of interest on any any issuance of currency. Not one single dime. Okay? So let's continue. But it means something worse. It means the splitting up of Goy society. Not a division between capital and labor, but the division between the Goy at both ends of the working scheme. Goy managers and manufacturers are not the capitalists of the United States. They are free enterprise enthusiasts, and that's the American system. The American system is based on the idea that the government issues the currency of which the greenback was won. Uh, it's supposed to be gold and silver. And uh, the, But even there, the bankers do the same thing. By discounting gold and silver and getting gold and silver out of circulation then uh, only their paper <laughs> remains, okay? So one way or another, we're forced to use the Rothschild paper. Uh, Goy man- man- managers and manufacturers are not the capitalists of the United States. Most of them have to go to the capitalists, and that is the Jew bankers, folks, for the funds which with, with which they work. And when you have other businesses, Michael, borrowing money from the Jew capitalists, and they have way more uh, working capital than you do as one of their competitors, unless you have a stock of, uh, unless you have a bank account of your own full of money, then you really can't compete with these guys. So once the system of usury and money lending to uh, drive the economy begins, it forces everybody else to do the same. Okay. So he concludes. Most of them have to go to the capitalists for the funds with which they work, and the capitalists are Jewish, that is, international Jews. But with Jewish capital at one end of the Goy working scheme putting the screws on the manufacturers 
and with Jewish agitators and disruptionists and subversives at the other end, that we're talking about Jew communists, of the Goy working scheme, putting the screws on the workmen, we have a condition at which the world managers of the protocol program must be immensely satisfied, and boy, are they satisfied. Quote, we might, uh, oops, uh, my uh, screen jumped too far. Okay, where, what page am I on? I was on page 97, I believe. So, okay, uh, my, my screen jumped out of place. Uh, uh, do you have the spot where I was quoting? I do. I can okay. uh, take up. Yeah, so, yeah, please continue. Thank you. Okay, quote, We might fear the combined strength of the Gentiles, of vision with the blind strength of the masses. But we have taken all measures against such a possible uh, contingency by raising a wall of mutual antagonism between those two forces. Thus, the blind force of the masses remains our support. We, and we alone, shall serve as their leaders. Naturally, we will direct their energy to achieve our ends. End of quote. And that is Protocol 9. And this also, when I this also is um, talking about the aspect of controlled opposition. Yes, well, exactly. Yeah, I think we mentioned last week that uh, Stalin was actually working for a Rothschild when he became the union head of, uh, I believe it was a uh, a petroleum uh, uh, industry factory, okay? So he was working for them, and of course he was part Jewish. So they control the working class through the unions they established, pretending to give the unions a better deal, right? No, they're part of the system. This is what they mean. By both ends, by raising a wall of mutual antagonism between these two forces. They control both sides is what they're saying here. Back to you, Michael. Thank you. This indicates that they are highly satisfied uh, is that they are not only uh, not doing anything to re- relieve the situation, but are apparently willing to have it made worse. And if it be at all possible for them to do so, they would like to see this coming winter and the uh, um, privations which are scheduled for it, unless gentle flabbiness before the Jewish power, <laughs> high and low, receive a new backbone. Oh, no, no. We need a backbone, don't we? Okay. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Bring the United States to the verge of, if not at, uh, across the very line of Bolshevism. All right. They know the whole method of artificial scarcity and high prices. It was practiced in the French Revolution and in Russia. All the signs of it are in this country too. Well, and this is, when you read, go ahead. Yes, go ahead. Finish uh, your thought. I think here. When you, yeah, when you say this artificial um, scarcity and high prices, isn't this also what they're trying now to do globally? That's right. That's right. So what they started doing during the French Revolution, although to a certain extent uh, the uh, the English Revolution included it as well, but certainly they perfected the art of artificial scarcity and driving prices up to impoverish the uh, you know, the people, essentially to impoverish the people. That's what they did. They perfected that system during the French Revolution. But, but, but this is highly prophetic, where he says, 
all the signs of it are in this country too. So this was written around 1920, and only nine years later, the crash happened. So was it October yes. 29th, 1929, something like that? Black Tuesday? Yeah, it was a deliberate crashing of the economy by the Rothschilds. No doubt about it. Back to you, Michael. So industrial problems for their mental food and uh, light amusements for their leisure hours. These are the protocol's method with regard to the Yantang mind. And under cover of these, the work is to be done. The work which is best expressed by the motto, um, divide and rule or divide and conquer. Mm-hmm. Read this, quote, to divert over restless people from discussing political questions, we shall now bring forward new problems apparently connected with them, problems of industry, end of quote. In which there were no yeah. problems with industry ever before this, right? <laughs> okay. Although during the Industrial Revolution in England, before it was totally taken over by the Jews, you know, we had manufacturers who mistreated their workers. You know, we have all the stories of child labor, abuse of children, working them, you know, 16 hours a day for for a few pennies. And then they go home and sleep and then they wake up and, and work some more, right? There were definitely abuses, but they weren't connected to the money, money system. They were connected to overworking the employees, right? And of course, the miners, man, the miners had a really rough existence in England and also here in America. But by the time that the mining industry developed here in America, the magnates, the robber barons were already totally in control of our economy. And uh, these were not yet uh, big into banking, but they were definitely industrialists who exploited their own employees. No doubt about that. Okay. Yeah. And, um, you can also, this, uh, this is like they want to divert our attention from talking about the real issue, the real issue with the, the Jewish control of our government. So they divert it to something else. They put up yes. smoke screens. And, yeah, also control the position. Yeah, and constantly, when you're, when you're constantly struggling to survive economically, you don't have time to read Henry Ford's book, The International Jew, right? Okay, please continue. Um, has not everyone been struck by the um, uh, divorcement uh, which exists in this county between the mass um, through which is almost exclusively devoted to industrial questions and the party though which is endowed yeah, yeah, to keep yeah, that, word field- is, that word is thought he's talking about the, the minds of the people mass thought and party thought okay back to you party thought, okay. uh, which is endeavored to keep the field of pure politics. And um, is it not a fact that our friends, the Jews, are strongly entrenched in both fields, in politics to keep it reactionary and in industrial circles to keep it radical? Uh, and so within the split, so and so widen the split. Yes. And what is the split, but a split of the Gentiles for society's Gentile and the disruptive influences are Jewish. Uh, read this quote We have included in the um, con- um, Constitution rights for the people that are fictitious and not actual <laughs> rights. Free money, welfare state, right? <laughs> 
Every oh, citizen yeah. has a right to be given money by the government so they can vote Democratic. Yeah. Yeah. Um, same here in Sweden. Here they are. <laughs> the, the Social Democrats are doing the same. Yes. Yes. All those so-called rights of the people can only exist in that abstract and can never be realized in practice. The proletarian uh, gains no more um, from the constitution than the miserable uh, crumbs thrown from our table in return for his vote to elect our agents and pass our measures. Republican rights are a bitter irony to the poor man for the... Mm -hmm. uh, uh, pressure of daily labor prevents him from using them and at the same time deprives him of the uh, guarantee of a permanent and certain livelihood, guarantee of a yes. permanent and certain livelihood by making him dependent upon strikes organ organized either by his employees or his comrades. And of course, yeah, they use the word comrade de deliberately because that's a communist term, right? Okay. So it's interesting they uh, talk about crumbs. I wonder if they're referring to Matthew fifteen twenty four, where Yahshua says to the Canaanite woman, I cannot give you the children's bread. And then she responds, well, well, I'll take crumbs. <laughs> I'll take the crumbs that fall off the children's table, right? So maybe they're getting even with us by giving us crumbs. Back to you. Yeah. Uh, this remark about strikes is not all at all puzzling to anyone who has studied the different types of strikes in this country. The number for mentor from above the working class is astonishingly large. And by those strikes, they can paralyze a, a nation. For example, say an invasion, something just paralyze the country. They don't. They are. Yep. They are locked down, basically. Absolutely, absolutely, yeah. And you have to wonder how many strikes are actually uh, homegrown and uh, done by the actual workers and not foisted by the Jews. Uh, I, I'd say well over ninety percent are created by the Jews themselves in order to disrupt the society. Yeah. I think so too. The, yeah. uh, to give the illusion that uh, that the union is some kind yeah. of doing something for the workers, but it's not. It's only yeah. an, uh, it only creates a split. That's right. Um, read this also. Quote: We will force up wages, which, however, will be of no benefit to the workers, for we will at the same time cause a rise in the prices of necessities. Pretending that this is due to the decline of agriculture and of cattle raising, we will also artfully and deeply undermine the source of production by instilling in the workmen ideas of anarchy. There you go. Quote. Right. Bolshevism, right? But now they're... No, they don't have to pretend that this is due to the decline of agriculture and cattle raising. They're deliberately destroying agriculture and cattle raising as we speak. Bill Gates and company. They're even more sophisticated now because now you can say, well, the farmers are producing cattle. Why? Because of global warming. We have to eliminate cow farts, right? It's incredible what they can come up with and people believe it. Back to you. Yeah, and that, as you said, this how they will just eradicate cattling and agriculture. That will also raise prices sharply. Mm-hmm.
So they're on to their old game again, raising the prices more than what you get, of course. Amen. And uh, that was Protocol 6. And this, quote, we will um, represent ourselves as the saviors of the working class who have come to liberate uh, them from this oppression by suggesting that they join our army of socialists, anarchists, communists, to whom we always extend our help under the guise of the fraternal principles of universal human solidarity. And no quote. That's, yeah, protocol number three. Yep. And by that, they mean Freemasonry and other secret societies, right? Fraternal principles, uh, uh, fatherhood of God, brotherhood of man. That's what they mean here without actually saying it. If they, if they quoted the actual saying of the Freemasons, that would, they would be revealing too much. Okay. They have, and, and yeah. And, uh, William Cameron is, is very spot on when he says they have to be very vague in their proclamations. So, they don't, people don't catch on to the fact that these are Jews. And of course, anybody who knows history knows that only the Jews have ever been able to accomplish these things, uh, controlling both capital and labor. Who else has been able to do this? Nobody. Okay. Broad-mindedness. <laughs> All right, please continue. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes, broad-mindedness again. In this connection, it is always well to remember the words of Sir Eustace uh, Percy. Um, uh, Hertford quoted words which are uh, sponsored by Jews themselves. Quote, not because um, the Jew uh, cares for the positive side of radical um, philosophy, not because he desires to be a partaker in Gentile naturalism or Gentile democracy, but because no existing gentle system of government is ever anything but um, this uh, tasteful to him. And no quote. Yeah, uh, Genesis three fifteen. I will put enmity between her seed and your seed, Nachash. And the Jews take that very seriously. They're playing their part in this enmity while we goyim are sitting around, uh, twiddling our thumbs, being victimized by the very people who hate us the most. Oh yeah, oh, we are we are have turned into such cowards that we can even we can even look at it with uh, with eyes and see what is really happening. So that is right. pure cowardice. Many of our yes. people. Yeah, and even our religion has been turned into a corporation, right? Five hundred one c three corporate Christianity. So yeah, even even our religion is part of their economic system now. Yeah, and that is seen also here in, in uh, Sweden with the churches and same, I guess, when they start to say that homosexuals is welcome and all this garbage, yeah, it's transpired from this rotten tree, all those, oh, those uh, terrible yeah. ideas. Yes. Very um, good. Okay. Or, uh, as the author of the quote, the conquering Jew, and the quote says, quote, he is uh, democratic in his sentiments but not in his nature. When he proclaims the common brotherhood of man, he is asking that the social gate uh, now closed against him in so many quarters shall be open to him, not because he wants equality, 
but because he desires to be master in the social world, as he is showing himself in, so uh, may others spares. Many, uh, an honorable Jew will, I doubt not, dispute the accuracy of uh, this uh, distinction. But if he does, it will be because he has lived so long in the atmosphere of the West that he is unconscious of what is uh, grabbed in the bone of his Eastern race. End of quote. Okay, so whoever is uh, the, uh, the author of, uh, I think he mentioned his name, The Conquering Jew, he's being too generous to the Jews because the honorable Jew is uh, one who hasn't got the economic means to be an oppressor. So he's got, uh, let's say, a clothing store or a haberdashery, you know, a hat shop, whatever. And he, he has a trouble, you know, he may be gouging the public where he can, but but he he's definitely a partaker of the Jewish method of monopoly control of industry, okay, even the local hardware. So you, in, in Chicago, the middlemen, the wholesalers are all Jews. So they're the ones who control all of the hardware supplies to go to the local hardware stores, okay, yeah, do you think these local Jews care about humanity? <laughs> these middlemen Jews? No, they don't care. No. They're in it, they're in it to make money. Period. Back to you. Yes, that's their that's their their one. What would it? What Jews like? Turning money and to protest. That's right. Um, it is not difficult, therefore, to see the genealogy of the Jewish ideas of liberalism from their origin to their uh, latest um, effects upon gentle life. The confusion aimed for is here. There is not a reader of uh, these lines who has not felt in his own life the burden of it. Bewilderment characterizes the whole mental climate of the people today. They do not know what to believe. First, one uh, set of facts is given to them, then another. First, one explanation of conditions is given to them, and then another. The fact shortage is, um, is acute. There is a whole market full of uh, explanations that explain nothing, That's right. but only deep in the confusion. Um, the government itself seems to be hampered, and whenever it uh, starts uh, on a line of investigation, finds itself mysteriously tangled up, so that um, procedure is difficult. This governmental aspect is also set forth in the protocols. Amen. No, no doubt about it. Well, for example, even in the 1920s, the Jews hired an economist by the name of John Kenneth Galbraith, who argued that inflation is good. <laughs> Why? Why is inflation good? Because it creates money for people to borrow and to go into business, right? But never mind the fact that the, the interest they're paying on that money de destroys their profit, okay? It becomes a real cutthroat society when everybody's competing for that borrowed dollar, okay? And so, you know, so we have... They hire economists to say inflation is good. And then uh, at the University of Chicago, oh, uh, Milton Friedman said the truth. He said inflation is bad, <laughs> right? But they, they hire both guys, you know. And so 
They, they have economic debates on television, and every single uh, debater is controlled by the Jew. Okay, that's the way the world works. I mean, I wish our people would wake up to this reality. Back to you, Michael. Yeah, but it takes um, courage to see that and it takes a strong soul also to be able to see that, well, the world is not in such a free and good state as they thought. That's right. And that requires a big soul and courage. Mm-hmm. Um, add to this the onslaught on the human tendency toward religion, which is usually the last barrier to fall before violence and robbery unashamed uh, stole forth. In order to bring the condition about at which this world uh, program aims, the fourth protocol says, quote, It is for this reason that we must undermine faith eradicate from the mind of the Gentiles the very principle of God and soul and replace these conceptions by mathematical calculations and material desires. End of quote. Quote, when we deprived the masses of their belief in God, ruling authority was thrown into the gutter where it became uh, public property and we seized it. End of quote. Protocols 5. Okay, so this is, hold on, hold on, this is in the past tense, right? Because that's what they did during the French Revolution, that's what they did during the Bolshevik Revolution, and various other revolutions as well. They turned the society into a materialistic uh, pigsty, right? Getting rid of belief in God, and even Solzhenitsyn said about the Russian people, regarding the horrors of Bolshevism, he said, we have forgotten God. That's what he said about the Russian people. And that's why, you know, you become materialistic. You, you, you defy God by, with your materialism. Guess what happens? Everything falls apart. All right. Back to you. Yeah. And that is the same thing that is in, I just take this example again in Sweden. 95% are atheists. Right. They are so materialistic. That's the only thing that cares. That's the only thing they think is a mark of success, a mark in its own secular. Right. Yeah. It's terrible. Yeah. Who Whoever has the most uh, biggest bank account when he dies wins. <laughs> right? Mocking well, that whole know. system. Uh, <laughs> you get a good place uh, among Satan, I guess. Yep. There we go. Satan's uh, bank. Well, yeah, sorry. Go ahead. Uh, yeah. I continue. Okay, sorry. <laughs> quote, we have taken good care long ago to discredit the Gentile clergy. And no, quote, protocol 17. Um, quote, when we become rulers, we shall regard uh, as undesirable the existence of any religion except our own, proclaiming one God with whom our faith is uh, tied as the chosen people and by whom uh, our faith has been made one with the faith uh, of the world. For this reason, we must destroy all other religions, if thereby should emerge a contemporary atheist. Then, as a transition step, this will not interfere with our aims. End of quote. And that's, that's quote for 14. Now here they slipped up. Because they identified themselves as the chosen people, right? Who has always been claiming to be the chosen people, if not the Jews? 
right? Oh, yeah. So they slipped up tremendously here. They, you know, they actually became specific. They didn't say, now, I, I think last week I was wondering whether the protocols include the word Jew, whether they identify themselves as Jews anywhere in the protocols. I can't recall that they do. But here, when they identify themselves as the chosen people, they 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 slipped up. They should have been more general. Yeah. Okay. Very good. Back to you. Yeah. They slip sometimes, and yeah, yeah, that's right? when you see this protocol. This is the the Jewish plan for world domination. It is not because I'm reading a book uh, by uh, William Guy Carr. Uh, what I said, the Red Fog of America, where he more uh-huh. is making the point that it's Illuminati, but Illuminati is Jewish, so it's always right. been Jewish. Amen. Um, so this will probably offer matter for reflection by the broad-minded. <laughs> right. And it is curious to note how this religious program has worked out in Russia where Trotsky has loudly heard in the American Jewish press uh, is said to have no religion uh, and where Jewish commis- commissioners tell uh, dying Russians who ask for priests. Quote, we have abolished Almighty, and I'll quote. Uh, Miss uh, Catherine uh, Dokushevs is reported under a f- uh, Philadelphia date um, to have told the Near East Relief that Russian Christian churches have been subjugated to the wildest indignations by the Bolshevik, details of which she gives, but... Uh, quote, the synagogues remain untouched, meeting with no damage, end of Amen. quote. Amen. That should be very revealing to people, right? But American people don't know anything about Bolshevism. They think that the Russian Revolution was actually Russian, not Jewish. Okay. Yeah. It, it, it's interesting that the... Yeah, uh, sorry. Uh, it's interesting that during these times, there were so many people actually revealing the Jewish nature of Bolshevism in the 20s and 30s that the Jews started to get worried. And, and in fact, the Jews actually in the 30s here in America overplayed their hand and they thought they, that Bolshevism would take over the world in the very, very near future, which it never did because the American people never bought into communism. Still haven't. But they, they don't realize that what's called Antifa or anti-fascism is actually the same old communism, right? That's what it is. All right. Now, everything must be disguised as something different from what it really is. And uh, there are so many fronts and lies that the Jews propagate. You have to wonder whether they can keep track of them all. All right. So we'll see. But we, we have see signs that their empire is collapsing. Because the more people they kill off with COVID, the, the, the fewer goy people they have to run their corporations. And crooks can't run corporations, right? You have to have honest people to run corporations. So it's going to collapse. It's collapsing slowly but surely. No doubt about it. Back to you, Michael. Yes, it's the comment you said about uh, that American doesn't know that Bolshevik was Jewish. It's the same prevails here in Sweden. They believe mm-hmm. it was oh, Russian, Alba, all this, and they don't want to look. There was a Jewish revolution that killed 55 million white Christians in yes. in Russia. They only know one number. That's 6 million Jews. That's the only that's thing that. they know. That's that. Right. Amen. So, all this line of attack... 
whose object is the destruction of the natural rallying points of gentle thought and the uh, substitution of other rallying points of an unwholesome and destructive nature are assisted. As we saw in the last article by the propaganda for luxury, luxury is uh, recognizing one of the most um, enervating influences. Its course runs from ease through softness to flabbiness to degeneracy, mental, physical, and moral. Its beginnings are attractive. Its end is less um, severeness in some form. And that word, I don't really know what that means. Yeah, lascivious uh, means just uh, indulging in all kinds of uh, lewd and uh, immoral behavior, you know, sexual and otherwise. Okay, you know, well, look at what we've got today, where the international Jew, child molestation, uh, you know, trafficking of children, sex trafficking of women, etc. Yeah, I mean, how much worse can it possibly get? You know, how much worse can it possibly get? Come quickly, Lord Jesus, get this over with. It's, it's, it's nauseating. It's nauseating. Back to you. Yes, it is. And they are also created to our women's are complete that turned into basically horse. They That's are, right. my God, this is, they have really been destroyed. Yes. Yes. And then, uh, you know, and so, yeah, feminism too. You know, <laughs> you know, lasciviousness. You know, the the uh, really attractive women take advantage of their good looks and, and exploit men, right? Whereas the feminists do the exact opposite, right? A guy doesn't know which way to turn, right? And that's why uh, we have this movement called men going their own way. They're tired of it. They can't trust women anymore. No. It's, it's not possible to trust them. As you said, it's only for the women to exploit because they want their money. That's the only yeah. thing they care for. And then they complain that guys only look go for their look. Yeah, because you are shallow by just wanting materialistic stuff. Go right, bigger. materialism. Yeah, materialism. Totally materialism. That's right. Um, so this tells us why we should keep away from luxury. We should have some problems in life. We need to, so we don't yeah. get this. Yeah, right. we're getting very yeah sedated. We get just soft. We we just uh, yeah, we are soft like and lazy. That cat it doesn't care. Yeah, soft and lazy, and that's bad for your health too. <laughs> right, the sedentary lifestyle. You need exercise. Your body needs to move. Work is good for us. Work is good for our bodies. Amen. Yeah. Yes. Amen. Okay. Deer hunting is uh, good so. for your body too. <laughs> it's oh, it's yeah, arduous shooting. work. Right. It is. Okay. That's good yes. for your soul to go to using guns. I think Thomas Amen. Jefferson made a very good quote about uh, how that is the best, um, uh, the best kind of exercise is to use. There you the go. Gun. Right. Exactly. <laughs> okay. I can I can see if I can find it and read it because it's very good. Yes. Um, so, um, testifying to the complete breakdown of all the strong fiber of the life. Um, it may make a theme for a more complete study someday. This lure to uh, less seriousness through luxury and the identity of the forces that set the lure. Amen. Uh, but now, to conclude this general view of the method, rather this part of the method, the confusion itself, which all these influences um, converge to produce, is 
uh, expected to produce another more deeply helpless state. And that state is exhaustion. Right. Mental and uh, physical exhaustion. Yes. For one problem after another, and the problems never get solved, no matter which party rules, right? They never get solved. Never. That was not the idea. The idea is to collapse yeah. everybody. It's just, yeah, yeah. To collapse it so they can then think to go into their world super government, whatever they want to have. Yes. Right. So it needs new imagination to see what this means. Exhaustion is today one of the conditions that uh, menace the people. The recent political uh, conventions and their effect upon the public fully illustrated. Nobody seems to care. Parties might make their declarations and candidates their promises. Nobody cared. The war and its strain began the exhaustion. The peace and its confusion have about completed it. The people believe little and expect less. Confidence yeah. is gone. Initiative is nearly gone. The failure of movement uh, falsely heralds as people's movements has gone far to make the people think that no people's movement is possible. So say the protocols. Quote, to wear everyone out by uh, dissensions, animosity, uh, feuds, famine, in, you know, uh, of diseases, inoculation yeah. of diseases, uh, want um, until the Gentiles see no other way of escape except an appeal to our money and power. End of quote, protocol 10. Okay, now this is very interesting where they admit that uh, diseases are uh, created by inoculation. Right? Mm -hmm. It's the Rockefeller program here in America. He's he's the one, John D. Rockefeller created the swine, not swine flu, uh, Spanish flu by inoculating our soldiers with the, with these poisons, right? A very good admission here. Protocol number 10. Thank you. Yeah, and also their, their medical uh, big pharma. It's the same way. They yes. uh, get more thick thick to using that instead of using God's way, using God, uh, Yahweh. He have a remedy for everything. We just need to yeah. take some time and do some research and we'll find it. Yes. Now, it's good you bring that up because in America, big pharma and hospitals in general are the third leading cause of death in America. They admit to that. All right. The, the medical industry admits to being the third leading cause in, of death in America and all because of other diseases. Right. But uh, it's actually bigger than that because big pharma is in collusion with GMO, the Jewish owned corporations such as vaccine providers, et cetera, et cetera, and uh, industry, which touts all of these so-called cures uh, like the cancer industry. Right. Uh, every. Every possible disease has a corporation, an, an NGO, a non-governmental institution, which promotes the official treatment, not cure, the official treatment touted by Big Pharma, right? None of which work. So in actuality, Big Pharma is the number one when you count you know, the food industry that includes all poisons. They're the number one killer in the world. 
because you have to include those other subsidiary industries which feed Big Pharma their, its customers. Put it that way. All right, back to you. Yeah, and I think the first leading cause is heart attack. And why I wouldn't yep. say that that is also induced by the Big Pharma. There you so, go. Yep. It's collected together in this old Big Pharma that kills people off. And this yeah, cancer. Die by doctors. Yeah, death by yeah. doctors, right? <laughs> yeah, right, cancer. That, that term, it is a term. I don't remember the term for it because there, there's a term, a Latin term for that. And that is death by doctors by protocols. So the right. protocols is killing people. Yeah. Yeah, and cancer is maybe number one, but what causes cancer besides the toxic material in our food, in the air, etc.? It's all one big corporation that poisons us, and then the medical aspect of the corporation comes and says, oh, well, we've got the cure, we've got the treatment, come to us. So we make you sick, and then we'd kill you, <laughs> slowly, right, until your insurance runs out. Yeah. So, but just let me see this. We said that you need exercise. You need a strong body. This is yes. what Thomas Jefferson said. Okay. Um, quote, a strong body makes the mind strong. As to the species of exercise, I advise the gun. While this gives moderate exercise to the body, it gives boldness, enterprise, and independence to the mind. Amen. Games played with the ball and other of that nature are too violent for the body and stamp no character on the mind let your gun therefore be your constant companion of your walks yes there you go yeah and you'd be ready for anything right even that uh, stray bear that wants to kill you right <laughs> okay amen the founding fathers believed in being armed jews don't no, because they want to be able to get rid of the gun and then kill us, the opposition. So right. we shut up. That's what Amen. they want to do as they did in Russia, as they did in China, whatever yes. whatever they did when it took gun control. Amen. Confiscation of our right to self-defense is what, fortunately, here in America, they have been unable to get that far. Okay. They probably never will. But they, they will never, never give up trying. That's all what all these staged mass killings are all about. To blame it on guns instead of blaming it on the provocateurs, many of them Jewish, who are in, fa in fact the killers, such as Dylan Klebold and uh, I'm trying to remember the other guy at the Columbine shootings. Uh, the vast majority of these killers are either Manchurian candidates created by the CIA and the FBI, or there are Jews. Jewish teenagers who have been brainwashed to do the same thing, but the mass media never reveals the fact that they are Jews. Okay. And I guess yeah, Eric even, if the yeah. Yeah, um, even if the media would say that they are, would it make any difference? People are no. so brain dead today. Right. Oh, I don't interesting. Think yeah, no, they don't care. The, the, the lack of awareness uh, doesn't uh, doesn't breed an intelligence regarding you know who the perpetrators are. So if you keep track and uh, you see how many of these killers are in fact Jews, then uh, then we begin to realize something, right? But nobody keeps track. No, they are apathetic. They are too luxurious. Right. 
Apathy, yes. Well, uh, lux- luxury is going out the window. <laughs> very, very few people can afford luxury. So we're at that point in the, the decline of society where luxury is no longer available to you know the middle class and even to the upper middle class. They are all struggling now. And uh, when uh, when people begin to struggle, then they get stronger. As, as Thomas Jefferson pointed out. Okay. So the Jews are creating a stronger goy, whether they want to or not. Thank you very much, Jew. We're, get, we're coming after you. Get ready. Back to you, Michael. Then is the question how many can take that? Because if you have been so used to this shallowness and when you yes. get problems, uh, you cannot stand. I mean, a tree without deep roots cannot stand t- through a storm. Yeah. If you've only been into this luxurious stuff and only this kind of lifestyle and then it's disappear, I th- I wonder if they can take it. Right. No, they can't. No, that's why uh, the founding fathers understood that you have to have a free society with guns. The two go together. Okay, You can't have a free society without self-defense. And guns are the easiest self-defense against the, both tyrants and criminals. Oh, yeah. Amen. Mm-hmm. Okay, so let's continue then. Um, quote, We will so wear out and exhaust oh. the Gentiles by all this that they will be compelled to offer us an international authority which by uh, its uh, position will enable us to absorb without disturbance all the governmental forces of the world and thus form a super government. Ah, okay. Yeah, and that is what all this world revolutionary movements has been out to do. That started during the early 1900s with the yeah, first French Revolution and there also when this Jewish financed, uh, Jewish financed king uh, to England came back. Was it Oliver Cromwell? Yes, right, right. And then Cromwell. So it's, it's, it's all in their track, this, this world revolution movement that they tried to do during when they started the Bolshevik Revolution and... So yeah. this is all because that's what their aim is. Yes. Uh, that uh, expression, wear out, brings to mind Daniel 7.25, speaking of the end times when uh, the Antichrist will rule. And he shall speak great words against the Most High and shall wear out the saints and the Most High and think to to think to change time and laws, and they shall all be given into his hand until the time and times and dividing of time. Amen. Okay, this is uh, the, the prophecy of the end times that the devil and the Jew, who is of the devil, will wear out the saints. And boy, are we being worn out today! Oh, yeah. We are, they, tr- they will try to wear us out. Yes. So let's continue. So, quote, we must so direct the education of gentle society that its hand will drop in the weakness of discouragement in the face of any undertaking where initiative is needed. End of quote. Amen. Yeah, no initiative. Everybody's tired. 
Uh, everybody's tired. They're tired of fighting and not succeeding, right? They're not getting anywhere. That's the myth of Sisyphus, I believe, where Sisyphus, his job was to roll this stone up the hill. <laughs> okay. But by the time he gets to the top of the hill, he's so worn out, he has got the energy to finish the job. And the stone rolls back down the hill and he has to start all over again. That's kind of like how we feel, right? Wearing us out. Yeah, and those movements that maybe have some traction against them often get uh, infiltrated, and then they are they are redirected in a, in a other fl- uh, favorable direction. And uh, mm-hmm. this is something I have realized in Sweden: the Swedes are very unaware of controlled oppositions. They are right. not aware that many of the protests did during the COVID scam, I believe, was controlled oppositions. Mm-hmm. Yes. Only a way to direct the uh, the to new solution to talking about safe vaccines, whatever they talk about, and all those big and they say, "Oh, march for freedom," but they are controlled oppositions. Yes, yeah, this uh, well, that's the one big favor that Donald Trump did to America. He said uh, there's too much fake news, right? So you still have to ask who creates the fake news, right? The American public has not asked that question yet. No, they have no, and same here too. It's uh, and then they use that fake news against if you say something that's actual truthful. Yeah. So they, yeah, they try to twist it, of course. But there's a lot of fake, fake news. It's a lot, but it's propaganda purely. Yes. So let's take the last part here. The Jews have never been worn out or exhausted. Oh, amen, never. Yeah. Yeah, they have lots of energy. Lots of energy. Yeah, they have never been non-plusted. Uh, uh, this is the true physical characteristic of those who have a clue to the maze. It is the unknown that exhausts the mind, the constant wandering around among tendencies and influences, whose sources is not known and whose purpose is not understood. Walking in the dark is wearing work. The Gentas have been doing it for centuries. The other having a pretty accurate idea what it was all about. Hanak succumbed. Even persecution is endurable if it is un- uh, understandable. And the Jews of the world have always known just where it fitted in the scheme of things. Gentiles have suffered from Jewish persecution that have the Jews, for after the persecution were over, the Gentile was as much in the dark as ever. Whereas Judaism simply took up again in century-long march uh, toward a goal in which it implicitly believes, and which some say um, who have uh, deep knowledge of Jewish roots in the world, and who too may be touched with exhaustion, they will uh, achieve. Yes. However, hmm. this may be the revolution which would be necessary to unfasten the international Jewish system from its grip on the world. Would probably have to be just as radical as many attempts the Jews have made to attain that grip. There are those who express serious doubt that the Gentiles of, uh, are uh, 
competed to do it at all. Competent of doing it at all. Yeah, maybe not. Let them at least know who their conquerors are. And that is that issue. So now we have a new chapter. Yes, okay. Uh, I was just searching to see if there, the word Jew is contained in the protocols. I don't believe that it is, but they did definitely slip up by referring to themselves as the chosen people, right? But what I, what I came up with here, this is from the Jerusalem Post. Google fixes error after labeling Jew as an offensive slur. <laughs> well, it always has been. Don't Jew me, right? People still talk that way. The Jews are doing everything they possibly can to prevent people from talking that way. But we do, right? The word Jew was listed on Google as a verb marked offensive, defined as, quote, to bargain with someone in a miserly and petty way, unquote, for most of the day on Tuesday. All right, so and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday, too, I'm sure. Okay. If you search the word Jew on Google throughout the day on Tuesday, you might have been surprised to find that the definition given was an ancient anti-Semitic or anti-Jewish stereotype. Not a stereotype, it's the truth. The word Jew, according to this Google result with data derived from Oxford languages, does not list someone as being a member of the Jewish people. Rather, it is listed as a verb marked offensive, defined by, you know, as I just read. Okay, so uh, looking further after clicking translation and more definitions, the Google result included several conjugations of this verb, such as Jude and Jewing. It further reveals that the origin of the verb Jew is from the 19th century in reference to how Jewish people work with money lending and trading. So, Michael, is that a stereotype? Or is it the truth? No, it's Jew. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Very good. Now, uh, I can't get in, I still can't get into the chat room. I have a, a slow internet service today. So, Michael, please continue. Uh, well, that was that chapter. It's it's oh. ended. Now it's a new chapter. Now it's uh, if they started the war, um, okay. if they were able to. So now I had took a look in the in the index, trying to see if there's something else regarding the protocols in later parts. Right. Right. Okay. Well, yeah, we were primarily interested in how the protocols, uh, you know. Uh, you know, manipulate our minds and bodies and, uh, you know, our economy. So, uh, but let's continue here and we'll just uh, see what they have to say about the protocols and war. Okay. So, so today will be our concluding chapter from the protocols. Uh, please continue. I will go to the page just, I okay. was scrolling away. So oh, there. Okay. Um, so, this is next chapter. No says, did the Jews foresee the world war? Mm -hmm. uh, before proceeding to a more detailed study of the connection between the written program of the documents which are called the protocols of the learned elder Zion and the actual program as it can be traced in real life, we shall now view the, uh, those plans uh, which were um, further when the protocols were uttered. 
it must be borne in mind, however, that what was fu um, future in 1896 and 1905 may be passed today, that what, uh, that what uh, was planned then made the fulfillment now. To bear this in mind will be in exact accord with the expression of Proclus 22. Quote, I have endeavored to indicate carefully the secrets of past and future events and of those uh, momentous occurrences of the near future toward which we are rushing in a stream of great crises. End of quote. Mm, right. Uh, some of the... Uh, quote, uh, momentaneous occurrences, and of quote, have come to pass, and with them a, a brighter light on the co a question which we are studying. Okay, that's interesting that uh, Protocol 22, the, it's a uh, personal pronoun, I. I have endeavored to indicate uh, carefully the secrets of the uh, past and future events. So, that almost always uses we instead of I. So maybe uh, the uh, author, uh, who was probably whoever was the leading force of the Basel, Switzerland, 1896 International Zionist Congress, okay, who, whoever was the leading force uh, is, is writing these words, I. And maybe somebody knows who that is. Uh, but I can look that up while you're reading. Okay. Okay. So, an illustration of this, which is fresh in the minds of all, was uh, furnished by the Great War. Jewish comment on this series of articles has made much of the fact that one of the articles was devoted to the then prominence of the Jewish question in Germany, and it was sought to mislead the people to think that this series was really a part of subtle German after-the-war propaganda. The fact is that articles on the question in a number of countries were set aside in order to bring um, the question itself uh, prominently before the minds of Americans um, with the least delay. The uh, postponed articles will appear in due season. Though, out of their order, Germany is today, with perhaps the possible exception of the United States, the most Jew-controlled country in the world. Controlled within and from without. And a much stronger set of facts could be presented now uh, than was presented in the original article. The facts of which were at first denied and later admitted by the Jewish spokesman in the United States. For since that article was written, public sentiment in Germany has swept the Jews largely out of public office. German public opinion exerted itself to the utmost to put German political administration back into German hands. But did, the, did that liberate Germany from the Jews? <laughs> Not at all. For their entrenchments stretched further and deeper than more uh, mere display of official power. Their hold on the basic industries, the finances, the future of Germany has not been loosened in the least. It is there, unmovable. Mm -hmm. In what um, that hold consists, the reader will be told at some convenient time.
Right. Okay. So I looked it up and I found uh, from, this is uh, Wikipedia, World Zionist Congress. The Zionist Congress was established in 1897. I've been saying 1896 by Theodore Herzl as the supreme organ of the Zionist organization and its uh, legislative authority. Yeah, well, I mean, if you're rich, if you're a rich Jew, you have authority. In 1960, the name uh, was changed to the World Zionist Congress, blah, 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 and World Zionist Organization, respectively. The World Zionist Organization elects the officers and decides on the policies of the WZO, World Zionist Organization, and the Jewish Agency, including determining the allocation of funds. The first Zionist Congress was held in Basel, Switzerland in 1897. Okay, this is from Wikipedia. Back to you. Okay, so Germany is mentioned now in connection with the Jews for this purpose. It will be remembered that it was from Germany that the first cry of annexations came and it came at a time when all German war activities and war sentiments were admittedly in Jewish control. Yes. Annexations was the cry that flashed across the world one day and um, back across the world from the United States, a nation that was not even a party to the war at that time. That's uh, right. The word flashed back. And no annexation. Thus, uh, by a dramatic play, the whole question was the, uh, thrust before the world. Yeah, Germany um, got blamed for a war that did not start. It was actually started by the Bolsheviks, right? World War One was planned by the Zionists and carried out by the Zionists. And then the, the Jews went about uh, figuring out how to blame Germany. Okay. Yeah, because not a single bullet was fired on German soil. So how can they have lost? Right. They didn't lose the war. They, they, no. they lost the peace is what happened. Right. Yes, they did. Uh, and that is what Hitler is referred to as one this dagger in the back. That's right. The Jews they turned against, uh, against Germany. Right. And change the propaganda when they have the outset to get America into the war. So right. they could get their bastard state. It's a lie. Yep. Amen. So, soon, the people of all countries had forgotten the blood of battle, the war profiteers, and every other vital point, and were discussing a matter which belongs to the end of the war and not the beginning, uh, the question of annexation. Now, when it is known who we are controlling the formulation of war aims in Germany and who we are the chief counselors um, of the foreign policy of the United States at the same time, the projection of this question of annexations into the world mind becomes interesting, interesting but not wholly intelligible. Um, uh, and I guess in America, wasn't it Bernard Baruch that was one of the counselors? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, well, it was the, uh, was it the, uh, uh, not the United Nations, uh, the predecessor to the United Nations that the Jews created. 
Yes. And uh, th- that was an attempt to gain world control right then and there. But the American people, American Congress refused to ratify it. So they had to have another war, namely World War II, to get the United Nations, to get their plan functioning. Back to you. Yeah, League of Nations, yes. right. Okay. Yeah, League of Nations, yeah. Yeah. Uh, not until you read the protocols do you get a full light on this. And this report of the protocols, which is now given, the world probably dates from 1896. There's absolutely um, ironclad proof of the date 1905. The second protocol begins on the note of war, and its opening words are these. Quote, it is indispensable um, for our purpose that as far as possible, war should bring no territorial advantages. <laughs> this will uh, set war to an economic footing, and nations will perceive the strength of our superiority in the aid we render. End of quote. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's why the Vietnam War was a no-win war, as all wars are. You know, like, for example, uh, the uh, in uh, uh, right after the ending of World War II, we got involved in another war, UN established war. In uh, you know, in the Far East, you know, uh, we had no business being in in any of these wars. The Jew has arranged all these wars for us. Okay, back to you. Oh yeah, and also I think about both first. Uh, yeah, first World War then was some uh, some division up of the on the lands in in Europe because they're creating this this very tense um, situation. When Germans were trapped in Poland, etc. But right. after World War II, nothing really changed for some no, time. Yeah, nothing changed. <laughs> but the propaganda remains the same, right? Oh yeah, it does. Hmm. We Jews, we yeah. want to create a world peace with the United Nations. You know, and there hasn't been a moment's peace since the United Nations was created. Yeah, yeah. The Korean War was a completely staged war by the international Jew to test the strength of the United Nations organization. And nobody objected to the war except uh, some generals, some uh, American generals objected to the war. Uh, But uh, very, very few people, very few politicians actually objected. What's the reason for this war? How did we get into this war? Right? It was a UN-created war. That's what it was. Okay. Oh, yeah. So, uh, it was a thinking between 1896 and 1905 of the new non-annexation rule to be applied to war. Were you? Do you know of any statesman who was? We know that military men were concerned about the appliances and operations of any further war that might occur. We know that uh, statesmen of the more responsible sort were working to consolidate a balance of uh, interest that would make war extremely improbable. Who had outdistanced them all in foresight and planning sufficiently to lay down a definite program of non-annexation? Yeah, I mean that. Uh, many historians have uh, claimed that if it weren't for the fact that Germany, after World War One, was totally blamed and uh, punished for World War One. That uh, that whole operation brought about Hitler, all right? Because that gave Hitler 
the reason for expelling the Jews from uh, Germany. Okay? Uh, many historians have admitted that. And it was the League of Nations, a totally unjust blaming of Germany for World War I that caused World War II. Of course, the Jews wanted World War II anyway because they needed another war to establish Palestine, to take control of Palestine. Okay, back to you. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, fortunately, the clue to the answer is supplied uh, to us by unquestionable Jewish sources. The American Jewish News of September 19, 1919, had an uh, advertisement uh, on its front page, which reads thus, quote, When Prophets Speak, by Littman Rosenthal. Many years ago, Nordau uh, prophesied the Balfour Declaration. Littman Rosenthal, uh, his intimate friend, uh, relates this incident in a fascinating memoir. End of quote. Uh, the article on page 464 begins, quote, It was on Saturday, the day after the closing of the Sixth Congress, when I received a telephone message from Dr. Herzl asking me to call on him. End of quote. Um, this fixes the time. The Sixth Zionist Congress was held in Basel in August 1903. Their memoir continues, quote, On entering the lobby of the hotel, I met Herzl's mother, who welcomed me with her usual gracious friendliness and asking me whether the feelings of the Russian Zionists were now calmer. Why does the Russian Zionist, Frau Herzl, I asked, why do you only inquire about this? Because, my son, she explained, it is most in- interested in the Russian Zionist. He considered them the uh, quiet uh, uh, quintessence. Quint- quintessence. Uh, the quintessential would mean the, the most essential uh, topic, right? Uh, okay, and uh, yeah, the most vital part of the Jewish people, right? So it was understood in those days that Judaism created both Zionism and communism, and there was no dispute between these two, you know, these two movements. They were both run by Jews. It was common knowledge in those days. Back to you. Yes. Uh, so, at the Sixth Congress, the government, Herzl and his agents, had kept in contact with the English government. Jewish Encyclopedia, Volume 12, page 678, had offered the Jews a colony in Uganda, East Africa. Herschel was in favor of uh, taking it, not as a substitute for Palestine, but as a step toward it. It was this which formed the chief topic of a conversation between Herschel and Lechman Rosenthal in that Basel Hotel. Herschel said to Rosenthal, as reported in this article, quote, there is a difference between the final aim and the way we have uh, to go to achieve this aim, end of quote. Suddenly, Max uh, Nordau, who seems at the conference held last month in London to have uh, become Herzl's successors, entered the room and the Rothenthal interviews was ended. Let the reader now uh, follow uh, Attentionly, the important part of this Rothenstall story, 
the italics are ours. Okay, that's. Yeah. Um, uh, so, quote, about a month later, I went on a business trip to France. On my uh, way to Lyons, I stopped in Paris, and there I visited, as usual, our Zionist friends. One of them told me that this very same evening, Dr. Nordau was scheduled to speak about the 6th Congress, and I naturally interrupted my journey to be present at this meeting and to hear Dr. Nordau's report. When we reached the hall in the evening, we found it filled to overflowing, uh, and all were waiting impatiently for the great master, Nordau, who, mm. on entering, received a tremendous ovation, but Nordau, without paying heed to the applause, showered um, uh, upon him, uh, began his speech immediately and said, uh, Okay, quote, You all come here with a question burning in your hearts and trembling on your lips. And the question is, indeed, a great one and of vital importance. I am willing to answer it. What you want to ask is, how could I, I who was uh, one of those who formulated the Basel program, how could I dare to speak in favor of the English proposition concerning Uganda? How could Herzog, as well as I, betray our ideal of Palestine? Because you surely think that we have betrayed it and forgotten it. Yet listen to what I have to say to you. I, speak, I spoke in favor of Uganda, of the long and careful considerations. Deliberately, I advised the Congress to consider and to accept the proposal of the English government, a proposal made to the Jewish nation through the Zionist Congress and my reasons. But instead of my reasons, let me tell you a political story as a kind of allegory. <laughs> Uh, I want to speak. Of a, yeah, go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. Uh, I want to speak of a time which is now almost forgotten. A time when the European powers had decided to send a fleet against the fortresses of uh, Sebastopol. At this time, Italy, the United Kingdom, and Italy of Italy uh, did not exist. Italy was in reality only a little uh, principality of Sardinia. And the great, free and united Italy was but a dream, a fervent wish, a far ideal uh, of all Italian patriots. The leaders of Sardinia, who were fighting for and planning this free and united Italy, were um, the three great popular heroes, uh, Gari uh, Baldi, uh, um, Massini and Cavour. Freemasons. Freemasons, and uh, Mazzini was the head of the Illuminati at the time as well. Yeah, okay. and I yeah. realized I won't be able to read all this quote before we have to stop, I guess. Yes, yeah. Yeah, so uh, yeah, go ahead and then uh, one more quotation here, and we'll have to call it you know, a show for today. So if yeah, please continue. I think we can get this last paragraph in. Yeah, so the European powers invited Sardinia to join in the demonstration at um, Sebastopol and to send also a fleet to help in the siege of this fortress. And his uh, proposal gave rise to a dissension among the leaders of Sardinia. Um, 
uh, Garibaldi and Massini did not want to send a fleet to help uh, of England and France, uh, and they did. Quote, so, our yeah. program. Uh, yeah, so our continue. program, the work to which we are a pledge, is a free and united Italy. What have we uh, to do with uh, Sebastopol? Sebastopol is nothing to us, and we should uh, concentrate all our energies on our original program so that we may realize our ideal as not soon as possible. End of quote. Okay, end of quote. All right, so these uh, Freemasons and Illuminati were not interested in... Uh, Uganda or Sebastopol or anything else, right? They were interested in taking control of Italy, okay, which they did. So, so here's a, an incident of uh, confusion and uh, a different point of view among the Zionists themselves, among the Illuminati, etc., which they occasionally do have, right? Anyway, it, uh, Uganda never happened. They decided to go after Palestine. And the world has you know, basically approved of it, despite all the evil that has been accomplished by the Jews therein. All right. All right. So, Michael, thanks for narrating. Folks, thanks for listening. And un unfortunately, I was not able to get into the chat room today. But the, this, uh, this concludes our series on the protocols in the book, The International Jew. Thanks for listening. And I will be posting the link to this in the uh, links uh, category on Eurofolk Radio as soon as possible, a book everybody should read. Thank you. Take care, everybody, and Yahweh bless. Bye-bye. Thank you, Michael. Goodbye, everybody.